Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Nick Castellanos currently has a 376 slugging percentage, which ranks 122nd among qualified hitters this season. Time to investigate. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Thursday, June 30th. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers. Today on the show, we've got some strange stats to reveal, although I guess I already gave the main one away. Jazz Chisholm replacements, beat the waiver wire for two-star pitchers, and much more. But first, even before, oh my goodness gracious, the standout among all standouts on Wednesday Brian Reynolds, you beast, triple dong, three home runs on Wednesday, now brings him to 15 home runs on the season. On pace for 30 home runs is Brian Reynolds, and he's just having an absolute monster June. Chris is here as well. I always feel feel weird when I start off the podcast talking by myself for like a minute, so I'm going to let you talk, Chris, but I have moved Brian Reynolds inside my top 20 outfielders. Is that reactionary? I mean... There's nothing inherently wrong with being reactionary, even if it was. But no, I mean, I've gotten him 22nd, and like I still have Nick Castellanos ahead of him. I still have Cedric Mullins ahead of him, and I can't really make like a strong affirmative case for why those guys should be ahead of him, so maybe I do need to move Brian Reynolds into my top 20. He is, um, he's been really good over the past month or so, like you said. And it's um, it's good to see because he got off to such a bad start. And, you know, there were some, I think, concerns that maybe last year was a bit of a fluke for him. But the the way he's playing right now, I, I think you have to feel pretty good about Brian Reynolds, at least as good as you did coming into the season, maybe a little better. So, um, yeah, like the expected stats... They, they largely suggest that he's earned what he's done so far. The interesting thing is the, the batting average. It's 258 overall. The expected batting average is 255. So, you know, he's having a, a really nice power season, actually. 15 home runs already. That puts him on a you know 30-plus homer pace. But the batting average still low and still seemingly deserves to be low. Now, when you look under the hood... It's hard to figure out why. Line drive rate still very good, 25.4%. He's actually hitting more ground balls uh, than he did last season, actually the second highest ground ball rate of his career. He's hitting the ball uh, up the middle more often, pulling the ball a little less. So there's nothing specifically in the batted ball data that suggests that he's a worse batting average player, except that he's just not hitting the ball as hard as consistently. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of that, 
But I would bet that given that Brian Reynolds has been a very strong batting average player two out of the three full seasons of his career, and really the two full seasons of his career because the outlier is 2020, um, I think he's a good bet for batting average moving forward. Yeah, I think the ground ball rate coupled with the strikeout rate, which is ev- elevated this season compared to last yeah. year, I-, I think those two things combined will, you know, contribute to that 250, what, what are we at, 258 batting average and why his XBA kind of lines up with that. So starts to put the ball in the air a little bit more. Not that he really needs to, right? Because he's, he's hitting for yeah. all this power. So it's, it's working out for Brian Reynolds. In the month of June, a 337 batting average, eight homers, 19 RBI, an OPS over 1,000, 90 mile per hour average exit velocity. Just having an absolutely awesome month is Brian Reynolds. And I think that there is greater than 50% chance he gets traded. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, there were a lot of rumors about that happening in the offseason, and obviously the Pirates on the, the fast track to nowhere again this season. So I, I think there's a decent chance. I, I don't know. The, the Pirates, <clears throat> uh, they, they, I don't understand what they're doing in a lot of ways, um, to put it mildly. They're, you know, they seem to be not prioritizing young players as much as they should. So I, I don't know. It, it's possible that Brian Reynolds doesn't get traded and, and that it's a situation where, like, it's not like he's a free agent after this season. So they don't have to trade him. He's got a couple years left after this one. So um, I think there's a chance he gets traded, but I, I, that not that doesn't necessarily affect how I view him. Mm, I'm pulling up his wow his contract situation. Yeah, he's not in, he's under team control through 2025. 2025 right? Yeah, so yeah. that's pretty long. Um, but you know, if they want to maximize their return, I guess now is probably the time to. Yeah, to he's already in. making real money, and once that happens, you know. All right, well, Brian Reynolds is having... Yeah, you can get traded at any time. (laughs) Brian Reynolds is having a great season. Uh, I actually hope he does get traded for the sake of his fantasy value. Uh, But nonetheless, he has been great. Well, let's get into other standouts here from Wednesday. Oh, my goodness gracious! All right, Chris. Oh, my goodness gracious for you. Yeah, we'll go with a standout in the bad direction today, and that's Eric Lauer, who gave up three... Three earned runs in four and a third innings, three strikeouts, two walks, six hits allowed. ERA back over four, 402 for the season now. Uh, velocity was actually okay today. He just wasn't particularly effective. And, and I don't know exactly what to make of that because, you know, I, I, I did think that if his velocity was going to be up, he'd continue to pitch better. And that hasn't really been the case specifically over the last couple of starts where his velocity has bounced back after trending down. And the production has still been pretty mediocre. But you, you look at the the ERA estimators, you know, he's got a, an ERA over four now with ERS, ERA estimators that mostly back it up. Uh, the strikeouts haven't really been there in the month of June in particular. He's got 19 and 27 and two thirds innings now. That was 27 and 27 and a third and 34 and 23 and a third. So it's been trending down all season. I think he's better than the 683 ERA he has in the month of June, but I think we're past the point where Eric Lauer's a, a must-roster player in certainly 12-team points leagues with those shallower rosters. Yeah, so Lauer is still 95% rostered, and I agree, Chris. I think in a vacuum, you can you could probably look to drop him. The question is that he has two starts next week. Yeah. And 
at least one of them is against the Pirates. I wrote the Brewers and the Pirates, but I don't think Eric Lauer is <laughs> facing the Brewers. So, uh, would I mean, you it could happen? Would you still drop Eric Lauer knowing that he has two starts next week? Probably not. You know, because like I said, those shallower points leagues—that's where the two-start week mm-hmm. arguably has even more value. So I, I think you probably still want to hang on to him, but. It, I guess what we'll say at this point is his his lease is very, very short now. I've moved him definitively outside of the top 50 and and possibly outside of the top 60. I'm going to do my big rankings update tomorrow uh, for the trade chart. And yeah, it's entirely possible that he drops out of the top 60. Yeah, so I moved him down to SP66 on Wednesday, which is right in line with like Blake Snell, Hunter Green... You know, names like yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Blake Snell. I think I'd rather have Hunter Green. Hunter Green, at least, yep. um, you know, does bring some more upside to the table. I think, you know, it's interesting to compare him to someone like Tyler Anderson, who uh, I think we viewed similarly coming into the season, which is not particularly interested. Viewed per- pretty similarly after the first couple of months, which is very interested, and both trending down now. So I, I think that's probably about the range. All right. Well, I was going to ask you if you would drop him for any of the most added starting pitchers right now. Keegan Thompson, Ross Stripling, Zach Plesac, John Gray, no. Graham Ashcraft. If you need a Maybe two-star Ashcraft. pitcher, if you need a two-star pitcher next week, I, I would hold, but I now have John Gray ranked higher than Eric. Oh, Howard, John Gray. So. Okay, I didn't I didn't, I didn't hear John Gray. Yes, John Gray, I would rather have than than Eric Lauer at this point. Even like even if I'm desperate, unless I'm desperate for a two-star pitcher next week, um, I would rather have Gray. Yeah. And Gray, is he a two-star pitcher this week? I think he is because okay, the yeah. roster rate is all the way up to like 78% now. So, Well, he's also just been great, and I think we yeah. just kind of think the, the roster rate at 78% is probably a little low at this point. Yes. he. Yeah, he makes another start this weekend. So John Gray is a two-star okay. pitcher. Uh, yeah, now 79% rostered. Yeah, that number, you know, he should be universally rostered. John Gray is, is pitching very well right now. A move that we would make. Drop Lauer for John Gray. Oh, my goodness gracious, for me, Alex Kirilov, please, just stay healthy, man. He looks awesome since returning. Nice call, uh, call by Scott, who predicted the breakout week here for Alex Kirilov. And on Wednesday, he went three for four with a double, hit his first home run of the season in 12 games since returning to the Twins. 325 batting average, one homer, five doubles, 12 RBI, average exit velocity of 93 miles per hour. He's got a 50% fly ball rate, which is actually a touch high, but uh, the fact that he's hitting the ball hard, putting the ball in the air, he makes a lot of contact. Chris, he really just needs to stay healthy. And right now, Alex Kirilov looks healthy. So 67% rostered. I know we've talked a lot recently about you know, Juan Yepes and Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, how would you rank Kirilov among that group um, with Yepes and, and Vinny P? Uh, right in that group. I think that's an interesting collection. I think Kirilov probably has more upside. And so the fact that he looks good right now, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and give him the edge. You know, the, you know, Pasquantino was awesome in AAA. I'm, I'm not sure he was better than Alex Kirilov was. Now, you know, Kirilov has failed at the major league level before, which is always, you know, that tends to get held against hitters at times. But yeah, I think, um, I, I think I would take Kirilov. Yeah. I can't tell if I'm just a prisoner of the moment and it's just this massive game. When I did my rankings update on Wednesday, I, I, I had Vinny Pasquantino ranked ahead of Kirilov, but 
I don't think I want to do that now. I think I think I want Kirilov too. So I, I might just over, be overreacting. But there's a lot to like. I mean, the Twins lineup in general ha- has been much better over the past couple of months. Correa has been great. Luis Arise is hitting like 350 right now. So yeah. I, I would want to get a piece of that offense. And again, it just comes down to health for Alex Kirilov. Uh, I guess I could have threw this first baseman in the mix as well. Rowdy Telez hit a double dong second time in his last three games and could be heating back up here for the Brewers. 65% rostered is Rowdy Telez. Uh, would you take Kirloff over him, Chris? I think I would. Um, you know, Telez, we've already seen the the ups and the downs so far for him this season. So that that's what makes it hard because I, I do think there's a decent amount of upside with Telez. You know, he's got power, obviously. He makes a, got a lot of contact, but... I think Kirloff's overall upside's a little higher. I think it comes down to maybe what you need to. Uh, if you need a little bit more pop, Rowdy Telez probably makes more sense for you. He, he does have 15 home runs on the season. Mm-hmm. If you need batting average, and uh, I think the counting stats probably will be similar between the two. So it's probably just a batting average versus power thing, depending on, on what you need for your team. And if we're just one, talking one points league... that does help Kirloff, though, is he is outfield eligible as well. Yes, for sure. Uh, if we're just talking a points league, I, I would take Kirloff. I think his... Um, his value makes more sense in that format. Uh, all right, let's move over to some other waiver wire hitters. I was going to save these for later, but you know, they are making some noise recently. Evan Longoria went two for three with his eighth home run, has now homered in three of his last five games, 25% rostered, seven road games next week, and just going to compare some of these hitters to other most added at their position. Uh, Chris, who would you rather have, Longoria or Isak Paredes, who is having quite the June himself? I would rather have... Longoria, I think. I I know, I don't know, Paredes, his quality of contact metrics are still really mediocre, whereas Longoria's are pretty good. You don't get credit for what Paredes has already done, so um, I'll, I'll take Longoria. I saw you picked up my scraps in the Scott White Dynasty League, too. I dropped Longoria, and you, you scooped him yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good find in a I league know. like that. I mean, Longoria's quality of contact metrics over the last four seasons, really since... um. I think since he got to, to San Francisco, really, I guess he had 2018 was pretty down. But since then, his expected WOBA has been 351 or better four straight years now. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, and we've seen good production from him at times. Obviously, the issue is he has to stay on the field. But uh, 121 games since the start of last season, he's got 21 home runs. It's pretty good. Pretty good indeed. Steven Kwan has been pretty good in the month of June. He went three for four with three runs scored on Wednesday. He added his fifth stolen base of the season. And in the month of June, 354 batting average, five RBI, three steals. You know you're going to get next to no power from Steven Kwan. But I do like the fact that he is running a little bit more recently. He's 36% rostered. He's got seven games next week. Chris, how would you rank Steven Kwan with... His teammate, Oscar Gonzalez, and Edward Olivares. These are more for five outfielder leagues. Uh, I would go Gonzalez, Quan, and Olivares. I like Olivares, but he sat today against a righty. I think he sat the last two games against righties now. I don't understand that. Uh, the, the, I don't understand why the Royals won't just give him a chance to, to really play every day, but they don't seem to believe the same way that the, the fantasy baseball community does in Olivares, so uh, I would, I would, I'm okay with Quan over Olivares. <clears throat> maybe, you know, maybe in a because the problem with Quan is he's kind of just a one category guy, and like that can Luis Arias is a one category guy, and when things are going well, that one category can 
end up spilling over into the other categories, but the the margin for error is fairly slim there. So, you know, if you don't need to start someone, maybe Olivares has more upside. So that, that's the way I would look at it. I would argue in defense of Luis Arise that he's at least a two-category player, leading off of the Minnesota Twins, scoring a good amount of runs right now. Sure, yeah. I mean, Quan has the stolen bases edge as well, so you could argue he's a two-category guy as well. But it's really like, I think the best-case scenario for both of them is they're, they're a one-category standout where the everything else kind of flows from that when things are going well. All right, in the deepest leagues, if you need speed, Sam Haggerty, a name to pay attention to. He started for the Mariners on Wednesday. He went three for three with two doubles, two runs, and a stolen base. And so far this season in the minors, he was hitting 283, six homers, 15 steals, and 869 OPS. The name there, Sam Haggerty, deepest leagues, 15 team, five outfielder leagues, desperate for speed. He's someone to look at. Jazz Chisholm. Unfortunately, Chris, you called this one. He was placed on the IL with a lower back strain, and we are going to need replacements because <coughs> while there's been ups and downs, overall, Jazz Chisholm has been one of the most valuable players in fantasy baseball this season. So in shallower leagues, let's start here. Two names that stood out to me, middle infielders. Ahmed Rosario went four for four with two doubles and his ninth stolen base on Wednesday. He is having a great June as well, 376. Two homers, seven doubles, six steals, 927 OPS. He uh, is 64% rostered, has outfield and shortstop eligibility. The other name is Christopher Morell, who was slowing down a bit recently. He The Cubs dropped him to ninth in the order, and he took that personally because he went two for four with a sixth home run. Uh, he's still batting 261. He's got seven steals. I think both players are pretty interesting, but... In shallower leagues, Chris, who would you go with? Ahmed Rosario or Christopher Morel as a jazz replacement? I think I would go with Morel. I, I, Rosario, 64% roster, that actually sounds a little high to me. He's, he's been really good in June, and you know th- there are things to like about him. He's you know cut the strikeout rate a lot, which is a big deal for a guy who doesn't really hit for any power. The frustrating thing is he's actually his max exit below is 111 miles an hour. So he's got some pop. He just doesn't put it into games at all. Um, so I think I would rather have Morel. The caveat would be if Rosario keeps running, you know, that could tilt it in his favor, but that's been so inconsistent for him throughout his career that I, I don't want to buy into it yet. I don't know why. I just have a soft spot for the Cleveland Guardians middle infielders. <laughs> Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, I, I don't know why. I just always am so intrigued by their potential. And, uh, you know, I see a stretch like this and I'm like, told you so. Let's go. I'm at Rosario. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like I, I think they're both talented. Yeah. It's just we have enough of a track record of them just being kind of meh, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, look, Jimenez, I, I think, is is much better than Rosario this season. Yes. And, and he's shown it. And. He deserves uh, to be rostered. I think the roster percentage is, is pretty high so far for Jimenez. In medium depth leagues, the three middle infielders we talk about constantly, Chris, they're still pretty available. Luis Garcia, Gavin Lux, Nico Horner, they all have a bit of upside themselves. Uh, how are you ranking those three at this point? I know you know, some days we like Luis Garcia. I know you really like Nico Horner. How do you rank those three as of now, moving forward? I believe it is Garcia, Lux, and then a little bit of a gap to Nico Horner for me. That's the way I have it ranked, yeah. 
All right. So I would imagine in, in some roto leagues with a middle infielder, some of those names are available in 12 team leagues. And then yeah, I think all three are worth rostering in leagues with a middle infielder spot in the deepest leagues. If you need a middle infielder, Josh H. Smith, someone we've talked about the past couple of days, let off again for the Rangers on Wednesday against a right handed pitcher. Uh, Miguel Rojas has been solid recently. Playing time should be there with Jazz Chisholm on the I.L. And then Luis Renjifo. I saw he hit a home run. Here on Wednesday, and he has been he's been heating up the the past couple of weeks or so. So in the deepest leagues, Chris, who do you like most of that group? Josh Smith, Miguel Rojas, Luis Renjifo. I feel like the the Angels just have this like coterie of completely anonymous replaceable middle infielders like Luis Renjifo <laughs> and Andrew Velasquez yeah. and Tyler Wade yep. and Yep. Uh, who's the guy on the on the IL right now? Oh, the guy who like Matt Duffy. <laughs> Matt, no, no, the other guy, the guy who never strikes out but doesn't do anything oh, else either. David Fletcher. David Fletcher, that's the guy. Yeah. I mean, like, they're all Matt Duffy yeah. could have fit that explanation. As sure, well. yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, I, I don't see much reason to to believe in Renhefo. At least, at least Rojas will give you batting average. You know, he's probably not going to give you anything else. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Smith is by far the most interesting of this group. Last seven games for Luis Ranjifo, he's batting 400 with two homers. But, as we often say, you don't get that production. So, yeah. we're moving forward with uh, Josh Smith. He's the most interesting of that group. All right, Chris. In honor of Stranger Things returning on Friday, let's take a look at some... I love that song. You know, somebody asked me recently... Not recently... I don't even know why I said recently. This was probably a couple of years ago. They asked, what would your walkout song be if you were in baseball? And I said the Stranger Things theme song. That's a good one. I would I be never, like, you know, you would think that like I'm such a music centric person that I would have a good answer for this. And I have never like I have never had a good answer for that. That question. But how awesome would it be? Right. Just like walking up. To That's the a good one. Yeah. With the Stranger Things theme song. That that would be sick. Um Juan Soto. We'll start with Soto. We'll get into Nick Castellanos. Chris did well, a, a no, bunch I, of... I, I thought... I'm going to go... I'm going to do a little pivot. Because okay. I think I thought what you were referring to with this was the that same game. Do you see that weird play where the the Pirates scored on, a, on the third out of the inning? I, where a player didn't tag up? No, I didn't see it. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll walk you through it. It's it, the... There's a quote from the umpire after the game. This is the first time I've been on the field for something like this. Uh, and what happened was there were I'm was watching, one out in the I'm, game. I'm watching the play now. Yeah, Hoy Park on second base, Jack Sawinski on third with one out. Uh, Cabrian Hayes lines out to the first base, and Josh Bell throws across the infield to uh, the third baseman who tags Park, who was on second base, to complete the double play and record the third out prompting the Nationals to return the dugout, thinking they'd escaped the jam. This is from MLB.com. Sawinski, though, had crossed home plate during the defensive flurry to score what was at the time the go-ahead run, all without tagging up at third. Hayes was credited with an RBI. However, because the Nationals did not appeal at third before leaving the field, the officiating crew ruled that the run counted, citing Rule 509C4 regarding appeal plays. So I, that's what I thought you were referring to in, wow. in, in the Stranger Things, because that was one of the weirdest plays I've seen ever in a baseball game. I didn't realize that was a rule. That is a very weird play, too. You did a yeah, good job you, describing it, too, because I'm like watching it while you're talking it through. And it's 
I have not seen anything like that. Um, I, I like, this is completely random, but I like what teams have been doing this year where I think there's, like, there's two outs, there's a runner on first and third, and the runner on first, say they're, it's a ground ball hit and they're going to second. The person just runs completely through the bag. Have you seen that happen this season? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Nolan Gorman did it earlier in the year where he runs mm-hmm. through second base and just keeps running to third to allow the run to score um, at home. And, and like you're going to end up out at third base, but the runner the, the run still scores. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting play, and I've, I've never seen it happen before this year. So uh, completely sidetracked, but yes, if you, <laughs> if you wanted some random... It's, it's, Vecna. it's Vecna's fault. <laughs> if you wanted some random baseball talk, that's what we give you. Uh, Juan Soto, let's talk about him. He's batting 224, which is tied for 129th among qualified hitters. And we're waiting for him to come around. We keep telling people he's going to come around. I still believe he's going to come around, but... He's hitting 195 in the month of June, which is about to wrap up. He's been awful against lefties, something that's never been a problem for him. Chris, what is going on with Juan Soto, and will he get back on track? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, will it be this I mean, season? I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, definitely. I, I, I have a lot of faith. I mean, it's really just the batting average, right? Like, He's still walking a ton. He's still hitting for a, a decent amount of power. Even in the month of June, uh, he's got a 219 ISO. So it's not like he's just been awful. It's just that he's not hitting for batting average. And this is a guy who, over the past two seasons, hit 351 and 313. So I have a lot of faith that he's going to start hitting for batting average because batting average just fluctuates. It's just a thing that happens, and, and that's not to say that there's not reasons for his batting average to be lower. His quality of contact metrics are a little worse this season. There are... They are, reasons. I will say this, Chris, they are considerably worse, at least in terms of average exit velocity. He's down three and a half miles per hour. You know, that's that's pretty massive. That's, that's not insignificant. Um, hard hit rate down from 53% to 44% expected Woba on contact down from 447 to 426. Although given the, you know, exit velocity drop, that's actually not nearly as significant as you would think. However, we also know that this season, the expected stats don't have as much value predictively, uh, as they have in the past because they're based on previous run environments that aren't necessarily, in effect, you know, because of the way the ball is traveling. And, and it's possible that Juan Soto and, and Nick Castellanos is another guy like this um, who may be impacted because the, these aren't guys who typically crush a lot of, like, home runs to the pull side of the field. You know, they're not Nolan Arenado, where they're just cranking out home runs that are 390 feet down the left field line or right field line, as it were, for Juan Soto. These are guys who go the opposite field a ton and hit a lot to the power alleys and hit a lot to center field. And that's where they derive a lot of their power from. And Freddie Freeman's a similar player. And so that is a a type of player who could be especially harmed in this offensive environment where the ball is not traveling as far and, and balls hit to center field and to the opposite field will tend to have more, uh, slice or what's the opposite of slice in the parlance of golf? I don't know. Hook. They tend to not tr- fly as true, I mm-hmm. guess would be that they, they, they travel a further distance cause they're curving. And so, you know, if the ball has to cover more distance to get to the same f- 
length of the field and the ball's not traveling as far and you have to hit it further to get it out when you hit it to center field or to the, the power alleys than you do to the pull side. Like that is the type of power that would be more adversely affected in a situation where the ball's not flying as well. And that is what we're seeing. If you look at WOBA minus expected WOBA on line drives and fly, and fly balls hit to straight away uh, on that as StatCast defines it, between 2016 and 2021, the average uh, major league hitters as a whole underperformed their, their expected WOBA by between 0.097 and 0.108. That's line drives and fly balls hit straight away and make, makes sense. Uh, expected WOBA doesn't account for expected stats don't account for the direction the ball is hit. So a 400 foot ball hit to center field will have a lower expected. will have a lower WOBA than relative to the expected WOBA than one hit to down the left field line. Right. That makes sense. Am, yes. I, am I explaining this? Well, okay. This season, the the WOBA minus expected WOBA on line drives and fly balls hit straight away is one fit minus one fifty nine. That's a so, huge, that's a huge difference. Yeah, batters are underperforming their their expected stats on batted balls hit to straightaway, uh, line drives and fly balls more than they ever have. And Juan Soto, Freddie Freeman, Nick Castellanos, them, there are plenty of other players who have that profile. You know, that is, they would be more impacted by that. I don't think that explains everything with Soto or mm-hmm. Castellanos, but I think it it's a relevant, a highly relevant factor at the very least. No, I, th- I think that's a great find, too, and it's not really anything I- I've heard so far this season, but it makes sense based on uh, the ball and the humidors and, and just not traveling as much as it has in the past. So uh, specifically those names that you brought up, and we'll talk about Castellanos in just a second, uh, I think it does make a lot of sense for Juan Soto as well. Uh, just putting a ball on this conversation with him, you know, we get a lot of emails, talk about Juan Soto. The thing is, Chris, what are we going to tell you to do? What is actionable with Juan Soto? There, there is nothing I, I don't think that we can give you to to do when it comes to Juan Soto. Just keep putting him in your lineup, right? Like, what are you going to do? Sell low on Juan Soto? I have yeah, moved like him if, down. I moved him behind Judge and Jordan Alvarez, which okay, that's already a pretty big move. I, what am I going to do? Move him behind Kyle Tucker and Luis Robert and George Springer? Me personally, no, I'm, I'm not going to make that move. Yeah, and I wouldn't the, trade him for those players straight up. So the answer is months, just keep starting him. We're two months removed from the popular opinion being that Juan Soto was now the best hitter in baseball. And we're, you know, a year removed from him having an 1164 OPS after the All-Star break. And he was the best hitter in 2020. And obviously the offensive environment has changed and maybe that explains some of it, but I just, he, Juan Soto is too good and too proven and too young and too everything for me to, to be able to justify any kind of sell low on him. Like, I just, I don't think there's any move that you could make. Like if someone wants to give you Aaron judge for Juan Soto, okay, fine. If someone like he's still a top ten outfielder in points leagues, he hasn't and, been as great in Roto, but and no, and no one's doing that either, Chris. So <laughs> I'll just yeah, tell like, you, no one's giving you Judge for Juan Soto. So. Like if if you want to give me Jordan Alvarez for Juan Soto, okay, but I'm not giving you Juan Soto for Cal Tucker. 
yeah. or George Springer or Byron Buxton or, or any of the Teoscar Hernandez, any of the guys after that. Like I just, yeah. I agree. I, there, there's nothing that you can do with Juan Soto. And look, if you're going to lose because, because Juan Soto has a random season where he hits 240 as a 24 year old, like, okay, <laughs> like that, that yeah. those seasons happen. There's no way that I could sell Juan Soto right now because I'm not going to get anything like the right amount of value for the kind of player we all know he can be. All right, let's talk about Nick Cassianos, who you know, you've already brought up. He's in the same conversation. I mentioned his 376 slugging percentage ranks 122nd among qualified hitters. More ground balls this season. Home run to fly ball ratio is way down, which again feeds into the theory that you have, Chris. Uh, the... Average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives this season is down two miles per hour compared to where it was last year. So if you're trying to find a reason for why his home run to fly ball ratio is as low as it is and why there's been this power outage for Nick Cassianos, he isn't hitting the ball as hard when he puts it in the air. And then we also have the fact that he is no longer in Cincinnati. His home road splits last year, Chris, we, hi- we highlighted that in the offseason. Like, he was great in Cincinnati, in Great American Ballpark. And as good as Philly is and Citizens Bank is a a good place to hit, it's not Cincinnati. So I think all these things are coming together. I still think Castellanos is a buy low, but I will acknowledge I could see this being a just down across the board power season for him. Yeah, I mean, Castellanos was someone who, remember back to his time in Detroit, he would always have these amazing expected stats and all these underlying numbers that suggested that he wasn't just a good hitter. He was one of the best hitters in baseball. You know, massive batting averages, massive expected slugging percentage. And he always disappointed. And, and the, the explanation for that, you know, I think the most compelling one anyway, was that the power alleys in Detroit are really, really deep. And it was hard for him to get the most out of his power. And I actually think the... The explanation that I offered about Soto with regards to how the ball's traveling, I think that's a better explanation for Castellanos and his struggles. Because you look at, you know, just the simple spray chart of of his batted balls, he doesn't have a home run between he has one home run to the right side of the field. He has one to dead center. And like, look, he only has seven home runs, so obviously he's not gonna have many to any part of the field, but he doesn't have any to the power alleys to right field and very few to the power alleys in left field. And he's never been someone who pulls the ball for, for power either. So, you know, if the ball's not traveling as far to those power alleys and then that is the type of power that's being suppressed, you know, that could be a good explanation. You, you see it in the, in the home run to fly ball rate specifically to the uh, straightaway part of the field. For most of his career, he was sub 10%. And that ex- that's explained by, I think, Detroit. Then he gets out of Detroit 2020 and 2021. He has a, a home run to fly ball ratio on straightaway balls to uh, fly balls and line drives to straightaway center um, of 25 and 23%. And this season, it's down to 7%. Wow. That all fits with the the hypothesis that He's just especially impacted by this offensive environment. That being said, I think he's going to be better than he has been so far. And like you said with Soto, like I don't think there was any way to see this coming with Soto. Castellanos, it's not just the offensive environment. He's also just not hitting the ball as well. He's striking out more. His average exit velocity is down. His hard hit rate's down. All like He just hasn't been as good. 
and maybe he'll continue to be not as good. And these kind of things can tend to snowball, but I, I think he'll be better than he has been moving forward for sure. I, and I still think Nick Castellanos is probably going to be uh, close to a top 20 outfielder the rest of the season. And if you remember his first season with Cincinnati, which was the short in 2020, so I don't know how much stock you want to put into this. Yeah, he was a disappointment then as well. So, you know, first year in a new location, new contract. It could be part mental for Nick Castellanos as well. Last thing I'll highlight in terms of the park factors, according to StatCast, three-year rolling average, Cincinnati, Great American Ballpark, is by far the best ballpark for home runs. It is not close. And Philadelphia Citizens Bank Park is 10th on this list. So yeah. I do think that that is something that could be contributing to Nick Castellanos's power outage as well. While we're talking about the Reds, Brandon Drury, strange stat, top five second baseman and third baseman in Roto this season, a top eight second baseman and third baseman in head-to-head points. He went two for five on Wednesday, hit his 16th home run. He's got 48 runs scored, 40 RBI. The batted ball distribution is equal across the board. He's 86th percentile in max EV. He's 77th percentile in barrel rate. He is not swinging and missing. That is the biggest change that Drury has made. 6.8% swinging strike rate is absolutely massive for him. And of course, his home road splits. He's much better in Cincinnati. Uh, Chris, I don't know how much is actionable with him. Some people might say to sell high on Drury. I say no, because... He's one of these players that just kind of pops up, kind of like Max Muncy a couple of years ago with the Dodgers, right? Where people are going to be skeptical all season long. They're not going to give you a fair return for Brandon Jury. I would just hold on to him. Yeah, I'm just... Like, he's already one home run short of his major league uh, career high. He is eight short of his professional career high, which came back in 2014 as a 21-year-old playing in double A and high A. Yeah, I, I, I would say sell high, but I also think a lot of people are going to think it's the 29-year-old Brandon Drury. I'm not going to give you anything for him. So that's the tough thing is sell high is all about perception, and I can't imagine there are too many people who perceive Brandon Drury as being all that valuable. I certainly don't. Um, so I would just say keep riding it. Would you trade Brandon Drury for like a struggling Jose Barrios right now? Sell high, buy low. Yeah. Yep. Would you do it for Tarek Skubal? Yep. Mm. That one's a little less sure. Yeah. Just because Skubal himself doesn't have much of a track record, but you know, like the one that I came that I thought of was like Yon Moncada. I, I <laughs> nope. don't think I would, and that's nope. really tough. No, um, I'm taking Drury over Yoel Makata. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> see if, like, Cabrian Hayes. I would see if you could sh- swing that. Um, oh, man, yeah, I Because like Cabrian him. Hayes has been so disappointing, and I think the underlying numbers suggest that he could have just a massive stretch. But, you know, I don't know if that's enough to, to get Cabrian Hayes. I'm not sure. But Oof. I would do that. Yeah, I would want Cabrian Hayes plus, but I don't. Maybe I'm just I'm riding high on Brandon Drury right now. I have him in a few leagues. He's been so so awesome this year, and yeah, no, he's been great hitting I in just, Cincinnati. I think it really yeah. really you know helps him out there. Uh, last one I wanted to mention: Nick Pavetta. He now has quality starts in ten of his last eleven outings, and during that span, he's got a one point nine five ERA, nearly a strikeout per inning, two point one walks per nine. 
but he's doing it with a sub 9% swinging strike rate. The BABIP is very low. The strand rate is very high. The underlying numbers don't support it. Chris, this is kind of strange what Nick Pavetta is doing. What do you make of it? Yeah, I don't buy it at all. I don't know. Maybe he can be like a 410 ERA guy who's useful, but I just, I, I don't think there's much of anything here. I, I think he's like, ideally you would think, okay, well, he's not getting a lot of strikeouts. He's not getting a ton of swings and misses, but you know, maybe he's converted into this like quality of contact guy who can, you know, get away with that. And that's not the case. His expected Wobon contact is 404 which is actually one of the worst marks of his career. It's 20 points worse. And, and obviously, the usual caveats apply about expected WOBA, expected stats not being as predictive right now, but I still think there's a large gap between where Nick Pavetta is and where he's likely to be moving forward. If I could get anything for him, I would look to trade him because I, I don't think... Do I have Pavetta in my top 80? 75. That is... That is how much uh, how much faith I have in Nick Pavetta right now. I moved him up to SP67, but I feel like he should be higher. Like, I'd rather have Pavetta than Eric Lauer, just the way Pavetta's pitching right now. Nah. Uh, nah. Chris, how about this for a theory, though? We've said this for a few different pitchers, and, and maybe it just happens that, like, it's taking longer for regression to come than usual. But maybe based on this year's environment and the fact that offense is taking longer to come around there's a chance that these pitchers pitching to contact can kind of just luck their way through it. The Martin Perez's, the Nick Pavetta's. It, I maybe. feel like there's a few, like there's at least a handful of pitchers that are pulling this off right now. And, and it, maybe it'll work this season. And it's not entirely luck. Like that, that's right. Martin Perez is actually pitching better. And Nick yes. Pavetta is, I, I think if you're looking for a reason to buy, it's the, the really high pop-up rate right now is kind of the only thing that he's doing at a the control a the, well the, above average the control yeah, has I mean been the much control better. lately but overall he's got an 8.1 percent walk rate so I, I'm not I'm not super uh, enthused about that I just it is possible that guys in this offensive environment like the, there could be more fluke low era seasons this season than normal but I don't see any real reason to think that like Nick Pavetta is more likely to have a fluke low ERA than, I don't know, Jamison Tyone, who's had a similar run. Or, you know, or even pitchers who I think are more talented, like Tristan McKenzie, you know, let alone that. So I, I just, I, I, yeah, I don't buy it. I don't know. All right. Fair enough. Before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone that we do have a five-minute podcast. If you aren't subscribed yet, Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, we talk about the biggest standouts from the day's worth of Fantasy Baseball action. So you can download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. All right, so the strange stats lasted a little bit longer than I expected, so let's run through this. News and notes. Scary collision on Wednesday between Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena in short left field. Alvarez was carted off, and both are being evaluated for concussions. Obviously, both are, are very important to the Astros Man. and for fantasy, so hoping for the best with uh, both of those guys. Max Scherzer built up to 80 pitches in his second rehab start on Wednesday. He allowed three runs over four and two-thirds innings while striking out eight, and it sounds like he could return next week, July 4th, potentially as a two-star pitcher, so that would be very welcome. Bryce Harper underwent surgery to repair his fractured left thumb and is expected to be sidelined for six to eight weeks. We're looking at a late August return. Hopefully. Jacob deGrom threw 27 pitches during live batting practice on Wednesday and is closing in on a rehab assignment. They've mentioned sometime in July as a potential return date for Jacob deGrom. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts said he's, quote, very optimistic Mookie Betts will return before the All-Star break on July 16th. David Bednar hasn't been available the past few days due to a sore lower back, but is expected to avoid the I.L., the Yankees are leaning towards activating Aroldis Chapman on Friday. Seiya Suzuki will begin a rehab assignment at AAA on Thursday. Matthew Liberator will start Saturday against the Phillies. He's 21% rostered with a 4.0 ERA, 1.61 whip in four starts this season. Chris, are you looking to add Matthew Liberator in any leagues? No, I, I don't think there's much appeal there. The Red Sox are considering using Garrett Whitlock out of the bullpen upon his return from the IL. Would you drop Whitlock if you were stashing him? Yeah, I think I think that's fine. Um, you know, maybe there's a chance that Tanner Houck struggles uh, as the closer moving forward, and, and Garrett Whitlock can take over there. But I think they prefer him in a more flexible role anyway. Yeah, I was going to say if Tanner Houck didn't emerge, Whitlock yeah. would have made a lot of sense as the closer, but. Hauk has pitched well, obviously in all venues outside of Toronto. A gentleman named Derek Hall was called up by the Phillies to provide an extra left-handed bat, and they threw him right into the lineup, batting cleanup on Wednesday. And in the minors, he was hitting 269, 20 homers, 67 RBI in 72 games. Chris, he's not really a prospect. I, I looked at you know top 30 list for the Phillies. He didn't show up. He's 26 years old, but he was mashing in the minors, so... He's a name that I'm paying attention to in deep leagues. Derek Hall, 2% rostered. 
Yeah, I think it would have to be a pretty deep league because he had a 6.01 OPS against lefties at AAA this season. So, you know, that, you know, it was 7.10 the year before. That's, you know, slightly less bad. That would play if he can mash righties, but I would be surprised if he's an everyday player. All right. What else do we have here? Reds news. Nick Lodolo will rejoin the Reds rotation Monday or Tuesday next week against the Mets. He struck out five over four and a third innings of one run ball in his latest rehab outing. 39% rostered. And I'm actually pretty interested, Chris, in adding Nick Lodolo. He he flashed some upside earlier in the season. I'm going to have him ranked over Nick Pavetta uh, rest of season. Oh, I might already. Would you drop Eric Lauer for Lodolo? That's fine, yeah. Yeah, I think I would do that, too. Uh, Tyler Naquin will begin a rehab assignment on Thursday for those Reds. Hitters wrapping up big Junes. Jake Cronenworth, we've talked about him a lot. He went three for five with two doubles and two RBI on Wednesday. And in June, 308 batting average, four homers, 12 doubles, 24 RBI, a 953 OPS. Javier Baez over his last 12 games, batting 354, four homers, two steals, and hopefully... When Ozzy Albies went down with injury, we told you go out and buy low on Javier Baez. Hopefully you did that. Cedric Mullins is coming around. He went two for three with two walks and a run scored. And in June, not much power, only one homer, but hitting over 300, nine doubles, five steals, hitting the ball a little bit harder. Uh, good things coming for Cedric Mullins. And Reese Hoskins, he went two for four, hit his 14th home run. And in June, 305, six homers, 14 RBI an OPS right at 1,000. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Cronenworth, Baez, Mullins, Hoskins? Big Junes. Yeah, Mullins, I don't know if he counts as a buy low. His overall numbers are still pretty med, so you know it might be possible. Um, and Baez, it's, uh, it, when he got off to this horrible start, I, I kept comping to the 2020 season when he was just dreadful and then came out in 2021 and was really good again. And it almost worked out perfectly. I think he played 55 games in 2020. He his n- the nadir of his season was 550. It was 50 games in when he had a four 520 OPS. That's that 12 game mark that you, you mentioned. So that's working out pretty well. Um, I think Baez is going to be just fine moving forward. All right, beat the waiver wire for these projected two start pitchers. Taiwan Walker has now turned in four straight quality starts, and up against the Astros, he threw seven and a third shutout with three strikeouts. Has changed up the pitch mix recently using his spli- uh, splitter and slider more, which is definitely a recipe for success. Uh, I was surprised to see he's 81% rostered. He's going up against the Marlins and at the Reds next week. Uh, Cole Irvin, mixed bag against the Yankees. Not great results, but 17 swinging strikes. Thought that was interesting. He's uh, going up against the Blue Jays and the Astros next week. Zach Greinke has now allowed one earned run in each of his two starts since returning. And he is going up against... Cleveland and the Astros next week. Uh, Chris Flexen, you know who Chris Flexen is. He's got a 4.32 ERA. He's got the Blue Jays and Padres next week. And Andre Pallante has been serviceable for the Cardinals as a starter. He threw seven innings of two-run ball against the Marlins, and he's only 10% rostered. He's got the Phillies and the Braves next week, and he's SPARP eligible. So uh, I think that's kind of interesting. A lot of ground balls for him, 65%. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this group? Taiwan Walker, Cole Irvin... Granky, Flexen, Palante. We have a new John Gant in St. Louis. <laughs> um, I remember how much you loved John Gant last year. I mean, I, I loved, I loved the the 
the fact that John Gant kept having like these five inning, one earned run, four walk starts. It was great. He um, had a, he, I think he had like a two ERA and an XFIP over five or something. Yeah. Um, Flexen is a viable starter at home. I don't know how much appeal he has outside of that, but you know, next week versus Toronto at San Diego, I don't love the matchup. So he, he's, you know, not someone I'm rushing out to add for a two start week. Um, so I would say Taiwan Walker you know, versus Miami at Cincinnati, Miami without Jazz Chisholm. I think that's going to be a very good matchup, even though they've been decent against righties this season. So he's by far the most interesting. The rest of them, I don't love the matchups, even if I like was interested in Granke or, or Cole Irvin. They, they both have Houston on the schedule. Um, so for the most part, I think I would avoid these this group. All right, we'll check back in with Scott tomorrow. By the way, again, I won't be here. Scott and Chris holding it down for you guys. We'll see if Scott likes any of these projected two-star pitchers. This person's not a two-starter, but he does have a solid matchup next week. Dane Dunning, two quality starts in a row, and he is at the Orioles, 26% rostered. So if you are looking for a single-start streamer for next week. Pitching leftovers from Wednesday. Justin Verlander with his third eight-inning start of the season. He went eight shutout with six strikeouts, has now gone seven-plus in five of his last six starts. Chris, anything on Justin Verlander? It's weird that he's not getting more strikeouts, but the swing strike rate was solid today. He's a star again. He is indeed. Nothing nothing to add there. A top five starting pitcher. Find somebody who loves you the way that Sandy Alcantara loves facing his former team, the St. Louis Cardinals. He threw a complete game in this one. Three runs, two of those were earned. Only three strikeouts, only nine swinging strikes. But uh, kind of seems like he was pitching to contact in this one, leaned into the slider more, has gone eight-plus innings seven times this season. Sandal Alcantara, I mean, just what a beast. Refused to leave the game in the ninth <laughs> inning. I think there were one out in the ninth inning and a runner on, and he refused to come out and... Ended up closing it out, and the Marlins ended up getting the win with a come from behind. They actually scored some runs in a Sandy Alcantara start, and he's the if the season ended right now, he's the NL Cy Young guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I would he's say been, so. Yeah, it, I outrageous. mean, again, had a point nine nine ERA against the Cardinals in his career coming into this game that actually did go up because <laughs> he allowed two earned runs, but uh, yeah, good call on him hating the team that traded him. Can we just end the season now, Chris? Because I saw the top two pitchers in points leagues. Shane O'Mac, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, that's pretty good. I love it. Absolutely love it. Shane, uh, Shohei Otani has allowed one earned run total over his last four starts. He goes five and two-thirds shutout with 11 strikeouts to one walk against the White Sox. 24 swinging strikes, 2.68 ERA, 101 whip, 101 strikeouts over 74 innings pitched. And, and Chris... While I should be excited and I should celebrate how amazing this player is that we're watching, every time I see a start, I, I just can't help but think there are people out there starting him in their utility spot, and they're getting none of this, none of these stats, and it just grinds my gears. Yeah, I mean, that can grind your gears. On the other hand, they've gotten a 997 OPS out of their utility spot in the month of June, so, uh, you know, that's still pretty cool. <sighs> I still, I will continue to defend this. I think we have to find a way to get all of Otani's stats at all times in fantasy. I know that. You would know make what? Him- now that the DH is in effect everywhere, I'm okay with it. I think just every you get every player's hitter and pitcher stats. That that that's the rule. 
It shouldn't just be Otani. So if uh, but there's no one you know, else. If you're starting. There's no one else. You're starting Brett Phillips in your oh, in geez. your uh, deep outfielders league, <laughs> your your deep league. You you get his pitching stats. You know that that's the way it works. I'm I'm down with that. I know that this would make Otani like the biggest cheat code in fantasy baseball ever, and it 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 would break fantasy. But that is what he has done in the sport. He has yeah. broken the sport, and I feel like it should be reflected in fantasy. And I will continue continue to defend that. It's very frustrating for me. Anyway, last two names That's here fine. on this list. But if you draft him in that <laughs> format, you don't get a second-round pick. Kyle Wright gets uh, back on track after two subpar outings. He goes seven innings, one run, four strikeouts. And Cal Quantrill, his first eight-inning outing of the season, he goes eight, three runs, only three strikeouts. I don't really know how Cal Quantrill pulls off this Houdini act, but it's very Marco Gonzalez-esque. Anything you'd like to add uh, on Kyle Wright and Cal Quantrill? Yeah, right. It's a little concerning that the strikeouts and swings and misses have been, you know, inconsistent for sure over the last, you know, really month or so since he got off to such a great start. But I still feel pretty good about him. Oh, right. Oh, actually, there is one more pitcher I wanted to mention real quick. Chris, would you look to buy Mike Clevenger before he really gets going? He looked great on Wednesday. Six shutout, one hit, one walk, six strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes. But he hasn't really, really gotten going yet. Would you look to buy right now? Yeah, I mean, his, like, it's been a weird season because it feels like, you know, coming back from Tommy John surgery, he's had all these disruptions. But he hasn't really had any, like, arm issues, right? The the times that he's missed, did he have, like, a back or a knee thing? I think it was. And then he had COVID. So I I feel like there might be a a perception around Clevenger that, it's been like a really rough recovery, even though the results have been pretty good. But yeah, I, I do think he's a he's a buy. I think he's looked quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a COVID situation. Uh, he was dealing with something with his triceps earlier okay. on, so that that obviously is not great. Yeah, he was on the IL with a right tricep strain, so I think he dealt with a lower leg injury. Um, yeah, there's been a few different things going on with him, but when healthy. He looks pretty good. He looks like he's coming around. That is Mike Clevenger. Some hitting leftovers. Christian Yelich went two for four and has now let off 20 games for the Brewers. And in those games, he's batting 321 with two homers and five steals. Still not much power, but we'll definitely take the batting average and the speed from Christian Yelich. Speaking of speed, Randy Rosarena, two more steals. Now up to 17 total. Josh Bell went three for three with two doubles, two walks, two runs scored. He is batting 319 with a 909 OPS. And it's a rough year, Chris, for the contract year isn't a real thing crowd. I don't even know how you feel about contract years, but between Aaron Judge, Joe Musgrove, Dansby Swanson, Josh Bell, there might even be others. Yeah, this is a rough year for, uh, for people who don't believe in contract years being a real thing. I mean, Charlie Blackman. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, Trey Turner. He's he's having a kind of mess season. Craig Kimbrell. There you go. <laughs> that's that's the argument against it. Not great. Boom. The, Joey Gallo's a free agent. Oh gosh, just release him now, please. Oh, I just. I think. I think Chris he might be going through what Chris Davis went through, and I think this might just be the end of Joey Gallo's career, which it I, might is, be is overstating things, but like. You strike out. I mean, that, that, like much, that, that happens with this type of player. You know, the, yeah, the 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 this this is what the uh, what what 
Bill James used to refer to it as the old player skill set. And then the the large, the high strikeouts, power hitters tend to age pretty poorly. So, yeah, you know, maybe. Speaking of those Yankees, they are now 25-1 and one in games where Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton have both homered in the same game. Judge hit his 29th. Giancarlo Stanton hit his 19th. He now has five homers in his last six games. You'll love to see it. MJ Melendez went two for three with an RBI. But having a very rough June, I would continue to hold. I've got some questions about Melendez recently. I know he hasn't been great, but still big upside, and Salvador Perez is out for a long time. So hold mm-hmm. on, stick it out with MJ Melendez. Vinny Pasquantino went 0 for 1 with two walks, but his lone batted ball was nearly 104 miles per hour off the bat. He hasn't struck out in two games, so encouraging. Julio Rodriguez went 1 for 4 with his 12th homer, 109 miles per hour off the bat, 431 feet. He's amazing. We're going to get Scott to put him in the first two rounds. Let's do it. When we when we redraft around the All-Star break. Yeah, All-Star break's coming. We, we need some content. Uh, Wilson Contreras went 3-4 for four with his 13th homer. Brendan Rodgers went 3-5 for five with his 7th homer. And the Dodgers enjoyed Coors Field on Wednesday. Will Smith hit his 12th. Freddie Freeman hit his 9th homer. And Cody Bellinger hit his 10th. The call to the bullpen. Some updates for the Brewers. Josh Hader picked up his 24th save. Clay Holmes for the Yankees picked up his 14th save. Chris, what do you think about trying to sell high on Clay Holmes before Chapman returns? I mean, I, I feel like anyone who would be trading for him knows that Chapman's coming back. Right. So it's a pretty transparent uh, thing. But yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there might be this perception that Clay Holmes is just going to be the closer moving forward, at least among some people. And I just have a hard time seeing them sidelining Aroldis Chapman or him putting up with like, Aroldo Chapman doesn't seem like the guy who's going to be the good soldier heading into free agency working as a setup man, you know? So, uh, I I think Chapman's going to end up being the closer. I hope you're wrong. Whether it's the right move or not <laughs> yeah. is a, a different yeah. question, but... Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear that's, you. That's the way I feel like it's going to work out. Clay Holmes absolutely, absolutely should be the closer. There, I mean, it's to me, it's not close, but... You're probably right. For the Astros, Ryan Presley struck out one for his 16th save. For the Royals, Scott Barlow struck out two for his 10th save. The Tigers, Gregory Soto, a clean ninth inning for his 15th save. For the Braves, one day after A.J. Minter got the save, Will Smith tossed a perfect ninth inning for his third save. And this looks like a committee for now, Chris, without Kenley Jansen. Will Smith, 30% rostered. I'm not rushing out to add either, but... I think in deeper leagues where you're desperate for saves, you you probably can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see what it looks like if like both of them get a day off in a row, and then and then who they go with because you know they had both pitched a lot in the, in the you know previous four or five days. So we'll see. For the Twins, Yoan Duran pitched the eighth and ninth innings in a tie game. Emilio Pagan stinks. He entered in the 10th inning. He gave up a walk and a double. He was relieved by Jarrell Cotton, who then gave up a walk-off home run to Josh Naylor, who is very fun to watch. I I like watching Josh Naylor. For the Cardinals, Ryan Helsley entered with a one-run lead. He gave up a two-run homer to Aviseel Garcia. He takes the blown save and the loss. And I just saw that the Angels game went final. Rysel Iglesias picked up his 15th save in that one. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Thursday. Chris Archer at the Guardians. Adrian Hauser at the Pirates. JT Brubaker versus the Brewers. Graham Ashcraft at the Cubs. Kyle Hendricks versus the Reds. And Mitch White versus the Padres. I like Ashcraft. I like Hendricks. And uh, that's it. 
All right. On Friday. Hauser could be fine. Hauser, yeah, Hauser's okay. Uh, for Friday, we've got Rich Hill at the Cubs, Rowanzi Contreras versus the Brewers, Brad Keller at the Tigers, Alex Fajardo versus the Royals, and James Caprillion at the Mariners. I will pass. <laughs> I don't like any of these. I'm starting Fajardo in one of my deeper leagues. I don't love it, but the Royals lineup is not great. So yeah. I guess if I had to choose one, it would be him or Contreras. We're going to wrap there. Yeah. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. I will not be back here tomorrow, but Chris and Scott will. I will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.